Welcome to the Growth Cap Podcast, where we chat with CEOs, investors, and other key industry leaders to uncover insights and strategies for accelerating growth and succeeding in business. I'm your host, RJ Lumba, Managing Partner of Growth Cap. In this episode, we chat with Dave Welsh, Head of TMT Growth Equity within KKR's private equity platform. Dave is an industry veteran and shares with us his strategy for growth investing, as well as insights for limited partners to consider as they invest across economic cycles. We hope you enjoy the show. So Dave, thanks uh, so much for joining uh, us for this conversation. Uh, maybe what we could do to kick off for our audience is to give a little bit of background um, on yourself and uh, up to your uh, current position uh, with KKR. Yeah, sure. Um, thanks, RJ and Peter, uh, for having me. Um, so I joined KKR two years ago. My background goes back to really the mid-90s. I was a executive at a Axel uh, portfolio company uh, starting back in the mid-90s. It was in the internet infrastructure space. Um, company ended up going public in the, the late 90s, ended up being actually the second largest return in Axel's history um, outside of Facebook. That, that company was called Portal Software. Um, and ultimately got sold to Oracle and is now a large part of the, the Oracle software stack. So I, I went from there into uh, into private equity. I actually took a role, a guy from um, uh, General Atlantic Partners, who's now a GGV named Glenn Solomon, uh, was helping uh, BMP Paribas, if you know the French bank, had a venture arm out in the U.S., Partech Ventures, and they were starting a a uh, growth effort, and Glenn had really led that up, and Glenn recruited me to come uh, there, and that was in 2000, and I was there from 2000 to 2007, um, an interesting time, you know, as you can imagine, I saw the, you know, sort of the crash happen, and, um, you know, sort of worked through a couple years of pretty, you know, pretty tough uh, macro environment, but it was a great time to learn the business. Um, In 2000 and really six. Partech, as it started to become known, decided to go back to its early stage venture capital roots. I, I left. I went and I became a, a, a person I'd got to know both personally and professionally named Dave DeWalt, uh, who later became the CEO of FireEye, was becoming the CEO of McAfee, and he recruited me to become the chief strategy officer at McAfee. So I was the chief strategy officer at McAfee from 2007 to 2008 um, and decided relatively quickly I wanted to get back in investing. And I left McAfee in 2008 to join Adam Street Partners, um, which is a large fund of funds um, out of Chicago, and they were starting a, a, a direct growth equity team um, out here in, on the West Coast, and I joined that to help build that up, and I did that from 2008 to, to 2016 when I, um, when I joined KKR to, to help them do a similar thing and build out their growth platform here at KKR. So that's, uh, that's how I got in the seat I am today. Great, thanks for that uh, background. And um, it sounds like you, so you've been around the, the space for some time. Uh, maybe what what we could do is jump right into, um, you know, what you're focused on now. Um, yeah, maybe some of your uh, the key kind of characteristics you look for um, in an opportunity, and uh, maybe how that's different or or the same than 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 what it was in in some of your previous investing roles. Yeah, no, right. Thanks. Um, so we're looking really for a few things that are common, which is, you know, big, big markets, um, very compelling solutions, great management teams. So th- those things, I think, are consistent across all the places I have invested. 
I think at KKR, what we're looking for a little more than that is really companies that have aspirations to be very large global enterprises. So I'm looking at a little bit later stages than I was in my previous roles, really for companies that you know, are in the multiple tens of millions of revenue typically and are starting to scale. And really, the, both existing investors and, and existing management team have aspirations to, to make something quite a bit bigger. So we're not looking for things where there's a kind of straight line shot to, you know, an acquisition or even a quick IPO necessarily, but rather, you know, something where the, the company can expand, you know, quite, quite significantly from where they are and utilize a bunch of the resources that KKR as a you know, global private equity firm can bring in helping them grow um, the, the business substantially. So, so I'd say there's commonality in uh, some of the basic building blocks, which is great management teams, good markets, good product. And then there's sort of this added piece, which is we're looking for things where there's, you know, really large, large opportunities and, you know, importantly, um, existing investors and teams that, that have the motivation to want to try and really go, go the long haul, you know, and take advantage of those. Got it. Yeah, it's really difficult. Uh, you know, what, what we speak with, um, you know, CEOs, various CEOs daily, and I know it's difficult for them to navigate if they haven't been through that capital raising process before and have spoken to uh, growth equity investors who are probably less, you know, prevalent or, or that investment style of growth equity is less well known than venture capital. Um, but uh, uh, you know, one thing that I thought was interesting was I I, I, I caught your uh, your blog um, about getting the most from your uh, growth equity investors, and it did seem like uh, you know what really uh, came through there was that there's the potential if if one kind of looks at KKR and in particular, um, the, the group you run, um, uh, there are certain advantages uh, that uh, that a CEO uh, could get because of the, you know, one part the the deep network and 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 the experience. Maybe if you wouldn't mind spending a little bit of time, kind of talking about the kind of you know maybe the the uniqueness of the of the yeah. platform you're part of. Yeah. Yeah. No. Thanks. I mean, it's it's um, it's why I'm here. Right. I I really you know, when I thought about coming over here, I was pretty happy where I was. And I kind of thought to myself, you know, initially, why why go someplace else? You know, why go to a place that's starting another growth equity platform? The world's got, you know, more than a couple of them. And, and really, the reason I did it was because I do think, as you said, that there's some unique attributes that KKR brings. And I, I really think they're, you know, pretty differentiated. So, you know, one of those is, I already, as I already mentioned, we've got a very, you know, large global footprint. And so that comes in a couple ways. We've got a very large enterprise portfolio from our private equity side, over 100, you know, large enterprise companies that we own through our buyout a portion of our business. And, and those are really excellent connections to some of these growing companies, both in terms of, you know, potentially partners or even being customers, but probably equally importantly, just getting access to some of those other executives. We have, you know, um, forums where we help facilitate discussions among our portfolio, and that includes our growth portfolio, and, and allowing you know some of those smaller companies to have access to that larger you know larger enterprise portfolio of KKR is really helpful just to kind of you know answer a lot of those growth questions for them. Um, and then I'd say you know the other piece globally is we've got offices um, you know across 16 countries and and groups within each of those offices that are really focused on the operations side of the business and helping companies um, expand globally. And so a big piece of what we do in all of our companies, but on the growth portfolio included, is we really help those companies navigate, you know, where and how they can go internationally and utilize those on the 
on-the-ground resources in all those countries to help them do that or not do that, depending on sort of the right timing. Um, so that's kind of one piece of it. I think another piece of it is, um, and it relates to the, what I just talked about, the, the people on the, the ground, we have a fairly large operations group called Capstone. Um, it's close to 60 executives that are former, generally former uh, McKinsey, Bain, BCG consultants that work with our portfolio on lots of different scaling issues, uh, things like go-to-market, supply chain, channels, compensation, um, and we utilize them um, in, a, in a different but effective way with our growth portfolio as well as our PE portfolio. And I say different because you know, we, we have to be mindful that some of those growth companies are you know, still relatively small in resources, and so we can't drop you know, too much on them you know, too quickly with our operations group. But we do enough, and we do it in, in bite-sized ways that they can really take advantage of it you know, as it makes sense for them as they continue to evolve. And, and then I guess I'd say the, the other thing that we have that's pretty unique to – well, I think it is unique to, to the growth equity you know, world is we actually have a very large capital markets group that places, you know, several several billion dollars a year in uh, debt and equity financing. And so we actually have them help, you know, kind of talk through with our growth portfolio companies, what are your, you know, financing alternatives as you, as you continue to mature? What is the market really looking for if you're thinking about doing something like an IPO or a debt placement and ultimately even helping them in, in doing that? So th those are some of the things that are, you know, I think different about our platform compared to other growth equity, you know, firms and and where we think we can really add differentiated value to the portfolio companies we invest in. Yeah, that's that's truly unique. It seems like a fairly comprehensive uh, platform. Um, was curious to do, you know, if, if you often find that uh, uh, companies can uh, quote unquote or uh, uh, graduate, um, you know, from from maybe the, the growth fund to to private equity fund or, or another part, pocket of capital. Uh, within uh, KKR, um, it seems like you can you can almost offer both um, you know the initial capital, the advisory on capital markets, as well as possibly even to to, to obtain funding from another uh, capital source within the within the KKR. Yeah, yeah, yeah that, that, that that's right. I mean, I think that's the the idea. One of the concepts we have is that we want to be you know the you know financing and and um, and strategic partner for these portfolio companies across a very long-term relationship. And so, you know, as you mentioned, it's it's something where we really hope, and no matter what their financing needs are, whether it's, you know, as you say, through us directly or through, you know, facilitation of partners that we have, that we can really be there to help them go through all the, you know, all the stages of financing after they've um, engaged with us in an initial investment. Got it. And uh, what do you see are the um, kind of the more interesting trends um, and maybe we'll take this first by by vertical. Like, you know, what are some of the interesting trends that you see in the the TMT space that uh, that you're most focused on? Yeah, I mean, we so um, I guess probably not unlike a lot of people, we're we're very focused on the software you know sector generally. Um, I think we we spend time and we break that down into you know lots of different areas. I think we've We've spent a lot of time the last, you know, I'd say, you know, a couple of years in places like security software, um, like DevOps, um, vertical vertical software, and in certain industries, um, analytics. So I'd say very broadly, we we look a lot at B two B software, and in particular, you know, places where there's good solid recurring revenue models. So. 
Um, so that's one you know general area for us. Um, we have done both here and over in Europe some um, you know larger scale consumer internet related investing. So two examples in particular: Lyft uh, here in the U.S. and then a travel business called Get Your Guide um, out in Europe. Uh, so we continue to look at that sector as well. Um, and then you know we sort of beyond that we're pretty opportunistic in the other places that we look. So we 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 really because we're looking for you know what we think are very um, already well established scaled businesses that have shown sort of good you know product market fit. You know on the one hand we want to be tops down and sort of looking at things from the thematic perspective, but the other side of it is we're trying to be opportunistic and as you know good businesses come up in in other um, you know kind of tech related sub industries we, we certainly look at those as well. What we haven't done you know kind of categorically is we've not. Uh, really done a lot in the you know hardware sort of harder core you know kind of components in in that area that that's an area that for us has still been a little bit um you know kind of off off the path uh but we can you know we can we continue to consider whether places like that would be something we would do long term but just hasn't hasn't been something we focused on so far in this fund well each has a great great in investment in in lyft i actually uh, knew John Zimmer uh, during his college days. He uh, was a very talented guy, and I remember when he was first telling me about the the idea of Lyft. At that time, it was um, carpooling. Uh, he he kind of yeah. had this vision that that uh, uh, people um, and and it started you know kind of I think with his own personal experience, just kind of trying to get from uh, home to college, um, and just saw uh, that the environment. Uh, uh, also was at risk if there was too many cars on the road. So um, it's it's interesting to see how that evolved, but I'm no surprise that he's still doing extremely well uh, yep. with the business. Yep. Yep. Uh, yeah, it's interesting. There's actually, you know, an interesting combination story there. He and and Logan, the the, the co-president you know, CEO of the business, had the same idea, you know, literally polar opposite ends of the country at the same time. So Lo Logan was at UC Santa Barbara. Well, John was up at Cornell, and, and they frankly had almost the identical same idea. And I won't go through the whole story, but the really uh, almost endearing story as to how they ultimately came together to, to share that idea and have become, you know, just a super close friends and business partners, and, and be real visionaries of that of that industry. Yeah, yeah. Um, and um, you know, maybe then uh, switching gears a little bit uh, and talking about the the growth equity space um, in general. I think you know having uh, you having seen it from kind of may maybe more of a macro perspective, um, um, you know, at, at Adam Street, um, you know, it's, it's um, um, where do you think it's, or, or how have you seen it evolve? Um, yeah. And uh, where do you think it's headed? Yeah, um, it's a, it's a, it's a good question. I mean, how it's evolved, I think it's, you know, gone from something that was unformed and frankly, not, no one really knew kind of that there was a growth equity space in the way that we've now kind of all categorized it 10 years ago, just, you know, something that's a kind of a, a normal and, and natural now, you know, sort of defined part of the industry. And I, and I think it, it makes sense. I think if you look at kind of the, the landscape of things and sort of what early stage venture capitalists are good at and where they really add value, you know, it's quite a bit different than, you know, what people that would come in later in the growth equity, you know, stage, you know, how they look at things and the way they add value. So I think, you know, it started with sort of some dabbling by some early, fir early stage firms into it and sort of maybe some 
you know, sort of hedge funds or crossover firms coming down into it, and now it's I think becoming pretty well established that there's a, a group of firms that this is where their focus is and, and this is what they do. So, so I think it's it's matured at some level into a real industry, you know, over the last 10 years and, and certainly over the last call it three to five years. Um, and I think it's here to stay. I mean, I think it's a you know a good and and probably necessary part of the overall ecosystem of of companies as they you know mature from startups all the way through to you know public entities and beyond. Um, you know where we are in the cycle obviously is a lot tougher <laughs> question. Um, you know I think mm-hmm. it's probably safe to say we're somewhere closer to the top of a cycle than 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 a bottom. Um, you know whether we've you know are topping out and you know exactly what the time frame is on that. I think those are you know, kind of questions of speculation that it's always hard for me to to try and um, you know guess at. I I think what what I can say is you know we are you know certainly as a as a as a group and as a firm preparing ourselves for you know some element of a of a downturn in the cycle here over the next couple of years. And you know what does that mean? It just means backing you know a backing businesses that we think can you know sort of have very good business models and persevere if there are some you know cyclical downturns. And two you know, really being prepared that when there is a, a cyclical downturn that there's a lot of businesses that we've known that we've really liked that, you know, maybe we were sort of um, steered away from investing in because the valuations had just gotten way ahead of themselves. But, you know, if there is a downturn and valuations, you know, correct into something a little bit more to historical norms that we'd be ready to to jump in and invest in those. So I don't try to guess exactly when that's going to be because I think that's always, you know, a really tough thing to do. But I I do think we're, you know, we're confident enough that we're closer to a top than, than, than not that we're getting ready for, you know, what that might look like on the other side. Got it. So if you're an LP right now, do you kind of sit tight and, 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 uh, and hold on before putting money back into the growth equity space or do you, you kind of just shift what you uh, focus on within growth equity? Yeah. You know, I mean, putting our LP hat on. Yeah, no. I mean, so here's the way, you know, my colleagues at Adam Street really talked about things. And I think this is, you know, kind of right. I I don't think as an LP, you should ever try and time markets. And so I think as an LP, you just want to be consistently coming in to, you know, kind of what you consider to be top of class investors and just do that over time and, and assume that the top of class investors will know how to modulate their investing appropriately. And mm-hmm. so for me, if, if I was an LP, rather than trying to, you know, kind of speculate, are we somewhere, you know, again, near a top or not, I would say if I was setting out a plan, I would say I, you know, should be consistently putting dollars, you know, at work across all cycles. And, you know, I should do that, you know, when things are going well and frankly should be doing that even if things start to turn down because, you know, investing in funds that get raised during some of the down cycles are often the absolute best funds to be in. And so I think that's, to me, if I was an LP, I would I would focus a little less on where are we on a cycle or, you know, is the is a category overfunded or, you know, what, and rather just be diversified, you know, by both time and, and by names um, and just be consistent. Um, timing, you know, kind of private equity markets in any of the categories is really, really hard. And so, you know, I think that's the best advice that I give to LPs is just if you're going to create a program, create a consistent program and stay with it. That's great. That's that's very helpful. We've got a good number of uh, family offices uh, as well as institutional LPs in our audience. So, um, you know, that'll be, um, you know, insightful uh, for them. Um, 
and then what one more on that front what where do you see you know it's interesting cambridge uh associates put puts out kind of their data i think quarterly um analyzing kind of the the segments private you know kind of lbo um or buyout shops versus growth equity versus a vc and and it seems that uh, growth equity has been outperforming do you think that continues um well i mean i think over over the long haul um the it, it it the the kind of performance of each of those categories you know has its cycles um and will have its up, ups and downs and so whether over a you know 10 or 15 year you know period growth equity you know sort of outperforms the two other asset classes i i don't know i have i have no idea i think you know, i think it will be close you know i think they'll all be within a fairly you know bounded range um i think the the thing that's to me probably you know more interesting is the variability inside of each asset class mm-hmm. and so you know if you look at vc broadly you know the 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 first quartile versus the fourth and fifth quartile you know the variability there is as you know very high you know whereas in growth equity the variability between the first quartile and those other quartiles is quite a bit more bounded and in private equity even less so and so in some of this it really goes to this notion of you know being in whatever the category is you know sort of picking a set of names that you have you know kind of good faith in and you think are going to be market leaders and stay with those um and it's particularly true as you go kind of up or down, however you want to say it, the risk curve, um, you know, as as clearly the variability, the earlier that you go in the asset class, you know, is greater. So that's a long-winded answer of saying I'm not I'm not sure across you know all of those. I I, I could try to speculate on who's going to have you know better, very long-term returns. I think they'll be you know as a categorical class, they'll probably be you know fairly close. Um, but I think if you sub-segment it out, you know, kind of the 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 categories you'd see a lot of variabilities. You went early and less and less as you went into growth and ultimately into PE. Yeah, no, that that's uh that that's a really good point. Like overall in aggregate, they do tend to you know if you take each of those segments, they de- tend to you know all kind of hover around the same. But within each class, there's there can be dramatic uh, uh, a difference differences, particularly yeah. on the VC side. Um, well, Dave, this has been great. You know, really appreciate the, the time you took with us. Um, I know this is going to be very insightful for for our audience. Um, yeah, I guess before we sign off, anything that uh, I may have left out that you you wanted to to mention? No, no, I think it's no. I'm happy to have done it. I think it's 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 great. I think you, you're bringing up really good questions about cycles and timing. And I guess my, you know, as I already mentioned on the LP side, I think in general the philosophy that that I would have is be consistent and just you know, make sure that you don't get two ups in the ups and two downs in the downs. Um, that's that's sort of the way in the long haul people have done, you know, well in, in this um, in this asset class. And so I would say that's the, you know, the way that, that I think about things and would encourage others that are in it to, to think about it too. Excellent. Thanks so much. Yeah. You bet. Yeah, thanks, guys.